we have a very special guest. Uh, we've been talking a lot about AI, chat, GPT, and like, you know, no code platform. If you're into founders or entrepreneurs industry, or you founded an app or something, you should know, like, you know, uh, uh, like building a product is like a biggest challenge that any founders goes across. And having a CTO uh, co-founder means a lot in the industry. So because I was also in like, you know, this journey and uh, uh, hunting for like, you know, platforms which can help me build my product faster, right? So I came across an incredible product uh, and incredible network uh, that introduced me to John. John is a serial entrepreneur with... Uh, over a decade of experience in software development. He has worked with over 30 startups, ranging from B2B, B2C, SaaS, PaaS, whatnot, right? And uh, it's like, it's an honor to have you on the show, John. Uh, and, you know, uh, what you're doing with Mark's X, uh, it's incredible. Just uh, maybe to introduce yourself, sh just share your backstory with uh, our audience. Yeah. I'm happy to be on your podcast, Pratik. Thanks for inviting. So it was a really good intro, and I will just add a little bit to that. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been uh, programming since uh, since the school. So it was like I was maybe 14 years old when I started. And then uh, my passion was always to make stuff simpler using code because uh, I really like uh, the idea that you can just automate stuff using code. And when I was very young, I was already in the university thinking like whatever I saw in the world, I would think in terms of how can I automate this using software? That was like the only thing comes to my mind when I see something in the world. Like if I go to the hospital, I see like, well, these guys could have software that would make uh, the whole process of, you know, uh, making an appointment easier, for example. That was like 20 years ago. Like it didn't exist back then. So I had these ideas all the time. And then uh, I uh, I just couldn't uh, continue my study uh, on software development and computer science because it was quite boring. So I had to drop out of my masters and just join a startup uh, because I just couldn't hold myself. And I joined a startup in Oslo uh, in 2010. That was my first startup. It was uh, complicated corporate software for Microsoft-based servers. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. So I was there for a year. I learned a lot. And then I felt like uh, I have to actually build my own startup because that was a startup I joined in and I wanted to have my own. But then I went on thinking about what, what exactly I want to do. And, you know, once you actually have to start a startup, it's not that simple to come up with idea. Ideas come all the time. But once you actually need the idea and you have to kind of put your life on it, it is not that simple. So I decided that it's too early. I have to spend next five years uh, growing my network, uh, growing my skill set. And I, I just went on joining a lot of startups as part-time CTO. So I spent like 2010 to 2015 just being CTO in all startups I could find. Like it was like probably like five at a time. And then uh, once I built the MVP for one startup, I would just join the other one. And it, I was like this shared C team. So I actually even get uh, awarded that uh, developer hero uh, in Norway uh, one of the years. So that was like the first uh, uh, chapter of my uh, professional life. And then the second chapter comes after 2015 when I realized that I actually keep doing almost the same work in every startup I come to. 
I come in there and I have to build the MVP. And every time I build MVP, like almost half of the features are very familiar. Sometimes almost like 90% of features are familiar, like the, the login system, the, the dashboard, the admin, the you know uh, gallery and all those things. And I felt like there has to be a way for me to reuse this so I don't have to build stuff from scratch. And that's how uh, I came up with my uh, kind of best idea uh, of my life uh, so far, which is Mars X, where my goal was to make software development easier, especially for the cases when you can reuse stuff that exists already, right? I I, I have no doubt. Like next five years, maybe early, uh, Max X can like you know just you ask Max X what you want, and it will come up with like an <laughs> application for you, uh, like ChatGPT. Uh, do you see that happening in the near future, John? Well, we have proof of concept of that already now today, so yes. you can actually ask it. Uh, to come up with the with the app and and if the app sounds familiar, if the app is uh, is kind of like you, you can decompose it out of the existing things in the world. Let's say you want to have an Uber or like a Airbnb like app, but not for the people, but for the dogs, mm -hmm. like you know Airbnb for dogs. Well, that sounds kind of not that complicated. And in, in Mars X, we have microbes for it. And if there are microbes for it, then the AI can actually take the microbes and put them together and you get the whole app done. And you will be surprised to see that most startups are actually exactly that. Like their innovation is not the technology. Their innovation is, is the product market fit. They just take the existing stuff and bring it to a little bit different market or segment or domain. But it's very rare when people actually build groundbreaking tech, right? But the sad thing here is that even when they have to, uh, you know, recreate existing stuff on a new domain, often they have to do it from scratch. Like, like there may be one thousand or or ten thousand Ubers that were created by by teams of developers, right? <laughs> from scratch. So it's like a lot of work. So we're quite a quite optimistic on the role of AI in this. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not on the on the team of uh, people saying that AI will just replace developers as we know them. I think uh, the AI will replace uh, the work you have to do to do what has been done before, right? So, it, but if it's something new or something of very complicated logic, then you need humans there because it's not just a tech, you have to actually connect a lot of things in your head, tech, design, business, et cetera. Basically not reinventing the wheel, just exactly. creating on top of it something, which is again, like a super high growth uh, for other companies to focus on when they are building something new from scratch, definitely. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, we understand like, you know, what inspired you to create this product and maybe the problem statement. I'm sure like, you know, while you were building this product, uh, I'm sure there you uh, there will be a lot of challenges you came across, right? So maybe if you want to share some of the challenges uh, while building MarxX and uh, um, also maybe guide us through how did you deal with them? Well, we had a lot of challenges, uh, more than uh, the typical startup would face because we were not taking existing stuff and just putting it into the new domain. We have to actually invent things. 
a lot of new things there. And uh, the main challenge we had was actually the market itself. Like the software development market and software developers are really conservative. And it's really hard to prove your tool to them because they would kind of expect your tool to be popular, to be used by a lot of the people, to have good documentation, to have a lot of GitHub stars, etc. But how do you get there, right? And if you don't have that, then you're one of like a lot of the other tools that are like not used. So uh, it is uh, quite difficult to convince software developer to learn a tool because the threshold is high. Like it's not like just signing up for a thing. You have to spend time learning, invest time into it. And maybe then you build some project on it. Then you take risk. What if that thing, you know, shuts down and then you have this project running for your client, for example. So it was a lot of concerns. And in 2018, when we started, the level of uh, the skepticism in the world was so high for Mars that it was a miracle that we didn't give up back then because nobody really believed in it. Like, I think not a single person believed in it except me and the team. Uh, but we knew that uh, we're playing the long game and we knew that the software development has cycles. Like the tools, there's this long cycles of like 10 or 20 years uh, where uh, things get fragmented and then they get consolidated. So in 2018, we were extremely fragmented world where you would have to use like you know 50 tools to build one project. Uh, and, and that was fine because startups had money, venture money was easy to get, and they had teams of 12, 15 people easily. But we knew that at some point the money will become expensive. At some point, uh, the startups won't be able to raise venture money that easily at the early stage. And at some point they will want to build stuff uh, spending not you know, two hundred thousand dollars, but twenty thousand, or ten thousand, or two thousand, mm -hmm. and we basically knew that's going to happen at some point, and we knew that to be prepared for that moment, we have to start building now. Because if we just wait until that happens and then we start building, then we're in the high competition with everybody else who jumps on the on this train, right? So it was like the first three years we basically built this. Uh, in a way that there was skepticism. Uh, we didn't really push it to the market at all. And we were just building it together with a very closed group of developers, users, who were mostly our friends. Right? But then in 2021, uh, things changed. Suddenly, uh, no code, low code, and all those alternatives to tra traditional development got really, really popular. And investors started to believe that this is the future. Startups started to ask the, the outsourcing firms and developers, like maybe they should use something like that instead of going to traditional path because their software doesn't seem to be that complicated. And the whole thing shifted. And if you see where we are now, when AI arrived, uh, now it's pretty much clear that low code, no code, AI, like all these three things together, uh, are going to transform the industry and we're going to see 90% of the project being built not the way they were built before, like being built much faster, being uh, built on the idea of reusing the stuff that has been built, built before, etc. And we are pretty much exactly uh, the right tool for that. So we're quite happy. So now, uh, you know, the, the traction and the, um, uh, the likes from developers is, is quite really high. So just maybe um, uh, clarifying certain things, let's say there are a lot of 
founders or aspiring founders want to build products, right? With no core or low code platform like Mars X that you have built. What is something that they can expect in terms of timeline to build an MVP from your uh, product? Uh, like we are targeting mostly the space of uh, uh, complicated apps rather than simple apps, because we believe that the space of simple apps is extremely crowded by uh, no-code tools such as Bubble, Adalo, Glide, and there are a lot of them, basically. So uh, that's why Mars X is not that good for cases where you want to build something in a day. For those cases, there are platforms that specialize on that, where it's like zero code. So there is no code at all, right? With Mars, we thought that we want to build a tool that will let you build your MVP fast, but also it will let you continue building your MVP into real product, into the complicated product uh, farther along. And you don't have to you know, start over with traditional development because that's what's happening in the world. Like most people who start with no code, they have to switch to the normal code at some point, and that's all right. Like people think that's fine, but we think like uh, you can actually have both of the world in one place, and that's what Mars is. So the, the core idea here is that you have one project that has two interfaces: one is no code, and one is pro code. And you start with no code because that's what you should do in the beginning. Uh, but at some point, the no code is not enough, so you just switch. But you can still go back to no code. You can actually use both at the same time. Uh, and that's what, when it comes to time, uh, you know, people can build stuff in weeks using Mars. People can build stuff in days using other no code. With Mars, it's, it would take weeks. But with pro code, it takes many months, right? So we're kind of the middle ground between no code and the pro code. Lovely. Uh, so maybe uh, I want to uh, uh, ask you this, right? So your career has been into like software development for 15 years now or more. Now, there are several companies you worked with and probably you have taken them to like, you know, becoming from MVP to becoming a successful unicorns even, right? What is a success journey looks like, uh, especially in terms of like, you know, product development or when you are building something MVP or just making sure that you have a product market fit. Yeah, I think uh, the main uh, the the main learning here for me is that things take time. So so the first things I was building, uh, like I started them in 2010, 11, 12, and 14, and it took at least six, seven years for all those projects to actually you know succeed. Uh, and well, during those six years. Like uh, there were times where we thought everything gonna just fail and we have to close it down. So we have pivots, etc. So one thing I learned is that if you're just starting your startup journey, things will take time. If you are doing it third time or fifth time, things will take less time because like you're not gonna make all those mistakes. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's why you have to be careful, like you know, listening to the feedback or listening the uh, advice because. It, if you ask me advice right now, 
Like it will be not that good for the people who start for a first time because I don't really remember that well what was there. So I will just tell things that worked for Mars and for Mars. Well, we we just sat in the office for two years and built stuff. That's really bad uh, advice for for startup people who are starting for a first time because you have to go to customers as soon as, as possible, right? But but we were so kind of experienced and we knew this problem so well that we trusted that the problem actually exists and we didn't have to validate it. But in my earlier startups, uh, the main mistake we did was that we were not going to customers uh, early enough. Like one of my uh, startup is called uh, FilmGrail, and there is really successful business right now, like one of the biggest in the world in the cinema software industry. But back then we started as a as an app that competes with IMDb. So it was an app where you can save your movies and uh, see what other friends are watching, etc. And uh, we spent two years building it. And by the end of the second year, we realized that that is actually really difficult to build consumer-facing apps. Mm-hmm. Like in consumer-facing apps, having 100,000 users is nothing. Like we felt that's like we're on top of the world with 100,000 users. We had 100,000 users quite quick. But then people were dropping off, right? Uh, because it's hard to create this uh, habit for people. For consumer apps, have to create habit. Like business to business, you don't need a habit. Like you know, people use it once a year, they're happy, fine. But here, they have to use it every day. Otherwise, they just forget about that. And we were competing with Facebook, with Twitter, w- with other apps for people's time and their habits, and we kind of failed. And uh, it took us quite some time to understand that uh, this game is different and that having 100,000 users uh, is not a good KPI here. And we have to look not at the number of the, of the users, but at the growth. We had very slow growth. We had a lot of users because we knew how to acquire them. Uh, but when we don't do those actions, users wouldn't come. But for consumer-facing service, Mm-hmm. They have to come organically. If they don't come organically, you can't just bring in 100 million users manually. It's like impossible. You can bring 100,000, but not, not that. So, and eventually we realized that we are not that genius around consumer-facing products when it comes to growth, but we are really good at doing this manual kind of growth. And, and we just pivoted into B2B after mm-hmm. three years. So we, we had two options, close down because we were out of money and the investors wouldn't want to invest more just because it was quite some time and we don't show this next level of growth. We showed the first level, we got like a million dollar investment. We got into 500 startups, uh, the incubator and things were great, but then we couldn't go farther. So we did a pivot into the cinema industry where we were actually white labeling this into a product that we give to cinema and cinema can use it as their cinema app towards their their cinema goers. And that worked really great because cinema has good relationship with their cinema goers because they go usually to the same cinema. Like most people pick the same cinema, which is like kind of around, right? At least not in the big towns. And the and there, there was no problem. So we uh, we could close the deals with cinemas. It was kind of slow. But in B2B world, uh, if you close 10 customers a month and each customer is like, you know, 10K uh, MRR, well, that's totally good, right? Like you, you can go one by one and grow really, really far, right? Just need like five, seven years. So that's what, what I learned uh, from, from there. So be really, uh, you know... Uh, 
be really open to evaluate yourself and your team on your you know strengths and see if you're the guy who can you know easily create viral things go for b2c but if not it's like really competitive game and it's hard and then maybe b2b is better absolutely uh, i love both though uh and I've been to like, you know, both of the industries as you are. So I, I do understand the journey that you were mentioning. Again, being patient with uh, what you're doing in business is really important. I feel like anything you do requires 1000 days, which is like three years of equivalent time to become successful at something you start, right? You can't yeah. just evaluate very fast. Again, some technologies require product market fit and early evaluation and then change uh, accordingly. But uh, I completely agree with you on that. Coming back to where we were in terms of like, you know, challenges, I also want to ask you, um, how has your product helped other businesses until now? Have you ever did like any uh, testing with the real businesses and like see how they are using Marxess and like, you know, whether it is like kind of uh, solving problem for them? And if you can share some of the insights here. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the reasons why we actually decided to do the whole project. So initially, we wanted to just fix our own problem. So mm -hmm. uh, I thought I, I will build like 20 more startups in my life. And I need a tool for that. <laughs> and I wanted to build a tool for that for myself and for my friends, because I was like, my network was people so like am, me. Am I your friend now? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we were uh and they helped me a lot and they're part of the founding team as well um, those friends so we basically built this tool that we wanted to share uh, among ourselves because we we knew that you know building a business is a lot of work and we didn't want to kind of make this a big business because people were so skeptical but then after like a few years uh there were more and more projects they were which were built on mars and these projects were quite happy and they were like, you know, coming back to us or like, I remember this one day I got this email from investors uh, and they were saying like our portfolio startup says they are using Mars to build their stuff. We tried Googling Mars and we just find nothing except the chocolate. Like, where is Mars? Uh, and, and I'm I, sure, like, you know, Mars will be, Mars X can be acquired by Elon Musk. <laughs> you never know. Might be. Or I, I want him in the team. I, I don't want to sell it to him. I want him in the team. But, and and, and then I felt like, all, all right, so, uh, you know, there are like businesses running on it and things go well. They're happy. They tell their friends. Then we had some other companies, friends of the friends coming in and saying, can we use it as well? We're like, well, we don't even have documentation, but we can add you to private repo. So we would add them as well. And slowly it just grew to 200 projects. So we had wow. 200 projects running on a thing that didn't have a website. I think that's kind of, uh, whenever you think about the priorities on your startup, the website has to be the last and the least, at least from this experience. Maybe final question on the product side, and then we will jump onto the more exciting part of the session. So a lot of startup founders, when they're building with no code or local platform, they have uh, one thing in mind, whether like, you know, this app or company will stay. And if it closes, what happens to the code that I've used to build this platform? Uh, how are you tackling this challenge? 
uh, and yeah. uh, is it uh, something open source or is it something that is going to uh, uh, make their lives easier in case if something goes wrong or something? Yeah, I, I think this was one of the reasons why we couldn't find a tool ourselves because in 2012, I used one tool to build cross-platform apps and that tool was just gone eventually and I had to just, you know, find the other tool. So I think... Uh, like just the idea of having uh, the tool that can shut down and everything you built on it is gone is so wrong that I just can't see how that can work out in the long run. I see some companies doing that. They have like hundred millions from investors and, and they just push really, really hard and they manage to get clients. But mostly they get clients who are like not really expecting their stuff to be successful very often. And, mm -hmm. and for me, we wanted to have uh, the startups and companies who really want to succeed, who believe they're going to, you know, exist for years, for 10 years, for 20 years. And for them, it was important. And that's why from the day one, uh, we thought that Mars has to be uh, no vendor lock. So you have to be able to run it on your own server, own cloud, own machine anywhere. And that's what we did. So Mars has uh, no vendor lock. We host the clouds for people because it's convenient, but it's open, it's open source. People can just uh, use it on their own. We don't have it on the GitHub, but we share it with everybody who is using it basically, right? So everybody has the whole code and they can run it on their own. And with Mars 4 now, like we're launching the latest version, we're gonna open source it completely. So it, it will be actually public and everything will be public. So that's how we solve that. And I think that's, that's the only way to solve it. And for me, seeing some of the no-code tools and low-code tools not doing that, I just don't understand uh, the future yeah, there. Like. It's still, there are two challenges as a like in founder, right? One, what happens if something goes wrong with the company that you're using platform with, okay? Number two, scalability, right? With no-code platforms, if in case your MVP works, now you don't have to go back and change everything and like create a proper app in different environment. You can just use the same thing to scale, right? Yeah. So I think you solved two important challenges that most of the founders were facing and really good job here. Uh, you, that brings us to the most exciting part of the session, which is called rapid fire round. Uh, we will ask you five questions. It's more on look your personal uh, entrepreneurial journey or your personal life or personal choices, I would say. So are you ready? All right. Name one other company and CEO that inspires you and why? That's a simple answer. Elon Musk and uh, Tesla. And the reason he inspires me is that he works on things that are difficult and require like 10 to 20 years to you know get things get the first mvp ready and that's really hard so you have to be kind of in the garage for 10 years and nobody says you are cool and, and nobody invites you to the conferences and he was like that from 2000 to 2010 nobody kind of you know you, you wouldn't find him on the media because he was working and now he's popular so i i kind of admire that and we're i'm trying to do, to be kind of the same uh, with Mars X, we're trying to take this long path. We're not trying to make some high, quick thing, uh, but we try to make something that will, uh, you know, work for the people of the future. That's what we did, and now we're kind of getting the results of it. Perfect explanation, and uh, I completely agree. It's not easy to stay focused when nobody is clapping for you. Exactly. Uh, in this, um, well said.
what's one of the best business advice you have ever received all right uh it was my partner kim uh he was uh he was my mentor uh he's an old guy and he said never work with people you don't want to hug and i didn't quite get that back then but i realized it farther that like the people you work with in a startup they become like your family or actually if you count the number of hours you spent with them probably they outcompete your wife uh, and that means that you have to really like these people otherwise you're going to spend most of your time with people you either don't like or you have this average opinion about but you have to really like them and i did that and i'm quite happy about that because it takes many years to build stuff and you will like you need, you need more things to be right because it'll be really hard and and then when it's super hard at least you say i i have nice teammates at least i have nice teammates and that keeps you going and then at some point some other things push you forward right i have interviewed so many people and i have asked this question i think this is the best answer i've ever received <laughs> because it does make sense man like really it is so powerful when you think it uh thank you for sharing that honestly uh what's one skill that has helped you become successful ability to can to make people interested in things uh Amazing. that always helped me uh to hire people because you just make people interested in what you're doing to get money from investors and to sell to users and i think this is the skill people underestimate uh, and uh, I was lucky that being a child, I loved making people interested in in my performance. So I would just try to tell stories to adults. And you're you know, you're not just a software developer. I must say you're a great marketer and salesperson as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like I can see that from your conversation. You're powerful, and that's how the leader and founder should be. So yeah, well said. You know, there are times when, uh, this is the fourth question, by the way. So there are times, you know, uh, in our startup journey, uh, sometimes it takes time to build a product, as you mentioned, you know, some things take time and then it really makes a greater impact or challenges with the team building a product or making revenue. It's a roller coaster ride, right? And it's stressful each and every day uh, with new challenges, right? What motivates you the most while you're on this journey? Customers, seeing them liking your product. That's, I think that's number one uh, feel you might have, like, uh, because, and you really have to be the person who wants to see how happy the customers are. Because, you know, if you don't try hard, you won't even know. But uh, in our case, I know so well what every customer is doing. Like I know everything about their startup. I know like when they have raised or how many people they have on the team. And, and that's why we're so close that they share all the, you know, good things about Mars as well back to, to me because we're kind of close. So I try to maintain, uh, I have 240 threads in my email box with customers. Wow. 240 where we're kind of chatting for them they probably have just me but i have like 240 and but i still 
you know, go into each of that. And then I just kind of remind myself the context and, and I remember everything and, and I keep the conversation going. And that's why I always know what's good for them. What, what are they happy about from the new update, for example, and what's kind of not that good. And it kind of keeps me always moving and the whole team, because at the end of the day, the whole reason we're doing something is that other people, you know, find it useful and get kind of more happy. So like happy users make me happy and drive me forward. Absolutely. Well said, 100%. What movie, book, or a TV show that changed your life? Uh, well, TV show is Black Mirror. Okay. Maybe you want to explain why you think that has impacted your life. Uh, and then uh, the book is uh, 1948. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And the movie is uh, uh, Walter Mitty. I don't know why that movie, but I just love that movie. I, so, I, I that kind of, you know, by the time I was watching Walter Mitty, it's a movie about uh, Ben Stiller and he's living this corporate job to be free. So by that time, I was in the middle of my, you know, this uh, career where I felt like, do I have to keep going with my own startups or should I join the corporate world? And the corporate world was like grabbing me in because they were like, you know, HRs like pinging me on LinkedIn with good salary offers, et cetera. And I felt like maybe I should join Microsoft in Seattle and be like managing the whole product there or something. And when I watched that movie, I felt like, no, I have to be free. And I just kind of went back on track with my own startups. Wow. So I think that comes to the end of the session. And we really want to thank you for your time, uh, John. And maybe if you just want to share with the audience where they can reach out to you and how they can use your product, uh, just like in um, end to the session from you. Yeah. So uh, you can reach out to me on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, I guess you will just post uh, or mention me there and people can find it. And then uh, people can uh, uh, request access for MarsX on marsx.dev, where we still have a closed access, but we try to onboard people as soon as we can. So it's marsx.dev. And uh, if people have any you know, uh, questions on, in general, if they're starting up their startup or they're in the open source world or dev tool world, I'm really happy to you know, talk, at least chat. So like, I always try to find time to uh, talk to people I don't know and help them with things I can just because, you know, it, it, as I said, I'm happy when my customers are happy, but also I'm happy when I'm making other people happy, just anyone. So feel free to reach. Absolutely. And I see from on your website that you're working with a lot of partners, accelerators and stuff. So if you are a founder who needs to build an app or you are a company that wants to partner with uh, MarxX and like grow together, feel free to reach out to John. And until next time, this is SaaS Unlocked signing off.